Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode, Musical Chaos, the podcast. Hi. Hi. Today we are going to touch on something a little more somber and we're not going to have such a fun and Bubbly. light yeah. um, episode. So there are um, a trigger, there is a trigger alert for anybody who has experienced child loss out there. And um, our episode will contain graphic descriptions of um, our son's passing, how we experienced it. And so if you have suffered a child loss yourself or aren't in a spot in your grief journey to um, maybe encounter someone else's, we encourage you to tune out. So we apologize ahead of time for how real this episode is about to get, but I don't think either one of us has ever really in depth Mm -mm. spoke about the loss Mm -mm. that's happened to us. And so I think that with the, you know, topics that we've been speaking about and you know, our decision to go tiny with our big family, you know, all these huge mountains that we've climbed have a huge part to do with with what the conclusion we have come to in our life. Mm-hmm. So, um, November 5th, 2016, our life was changed forever. Mm-hmm. We spoke about Mavin in another episode and um, spoke that we only had him for a very short time, 23 days Mm -hmm. to be exact. So we're just going to touch on kind of what happened that day and what's kind of come since, Mm -hmm. since then. Yep. So um, November 4th, we decide that we are going to join a family reunion at Mm -hmm. my parents' house. So, so we, we were very excited there. because we have a brand new baby. Yes. It's always fun to show off your brand new baby. And it's so weird to think that there was no COVID restrictions know, at that time. Right? Because you could just go in go. a big, huge gathering. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we head down there. And Ashley's birthday is the, the first. And so my parents were going to let us have a night out, which rarely ever happens. Yeah, dinner out and just some time to ourselves. Yeah, it was it was so it was great. Nice. I remember all the pictures we took together. and yes. we. We hadn't taken pictures together in a very long time. I know. Time. I felt like we were human again for a yes. second. <laughs> so we went out to dinner and we came back and everything was was normal. Yeah. Um, when when we have a baby right away, I usually stay out on the couch with that baby for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, getting used to a breastfeeding routine with a newborn and the sleep schedule of a newborn, especially for us, we've always had younger children. As soon as we're having another child, you know, there's somebody who's maybe just getting to sleeping through the night when we have a newborn. So it's important for us to kind of divide and conquer. So we we also we realize that this episode may include some controversial information um, regarding safe sleep. And we but we are very, very passionate about this topic. And so, you know, we're not trying to spark any crazy debate or anything with with that this is just our experience right. and we are strictly going off our experience and how Your if knowledge. we could have changed something we we would have changed that mm-hmm. so so um that night i did what we normally do i take the baby and you take the little kids mm-hmm. And I slept on the couch. And so I, he cluster fed a lot, as yes. did all of our newborns. Many moms can attest to how crazy and exhausting that is. And so he breastfed a lot <laughs> during the night. So that night, we went to bed on the couch. 
and he we had a docatot for him which is like a it's kind of like a co-sleeping type bed but it's not it, it's not really made for co-sleeping but if any of you know what they used to have those things that went in between you and your partner in bed where it was like this little bed almost for like a mini with crib a, with yeah. a bumper around and it's like a go-to for moms nowadays but so we had him in that on the floor mm-hmm. and then when I would breastfeed I would just take him on the couch with me and and breastfeed so that night was again like no other or like or like every other night and I woke up and breastfed him and somewhere in the night I fell asleep mm-hmm. and I have no idea how this happened but I fell asleep and I woke up at about 4 a.m. possibly mm-hmm. and I realized that he was sleeping a little harder than normal and I realized that I had fallen asleep breastfeeding him and there was an instant panic and like oh my gosh I did something wrong and I picked up his hand and his hand fell back on my chest so something was not normal and I had gotten up with the little ones um they had been begging for a little while to get up and I was reassuring them that it was far too early to get up but they demanded to go to the bathroom so I said we would go to the bathroom so we walked out of our bedroom and to the bathroom which was right across from the couch where you were sleeping so I move his body on my chest and I realized that it's dead weight Mm -hmm. and so something is majorly wrong I can't put myself back in the the moment where was he in the in my armpit when I woke up was he in a compromising position when I woke up I don't know mm-hmm. I don't honestly remember falling asleep and you know I was a new mom and uh, postpartum and and I had exhausted and I fell asleep on accident. And I had been, I mean, numerous nights before this was, like you said, same as every night. This was a routine for you as far as how you fed. And I had been out, I don't remember what time, too. This was 4.20 in the morning-ish. So I had been out there a couple hours prior, and you were easily awoken. Um, no, when I came out at 2, he was in his docketot. When I came out at whatever time, you were easily awoken. So it wasn't as though... You were in deep sleep, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, again, right. I don't I mean, recall his positioning, but for me, walking out, it wasn't alarming. The right. way you were on the couch was not alarming. At, a, at any point in time that I have ever been asleep since I've been a mom, I've always been somebody who, even the creak in the floor, mm-hmm. I'm instantly awake. And I think that any mom knows exactly knows that what feeling. I'm talking yep. about. And so, I, I mean, she had said something to me and I instantly woke up. So at the point that I realized that he's not okay, I get up and I scream Mm -hmm. to you Mm -hmm. and, and he's, he's not okay. So I think that you're going to be able to do something. And I'm very, I'm very confident also that I can save you from this. I can save our world and I kind of demand you to give him to me. So I run up the stairs and scream to my parents and 
Your sister was there too. And my sister and my dad and everybody came running down as fast as they could. And we all tried. Because when you handed him to me, I was convinced that I could... That he was fine. Right. Like he was fine. I would wake him up. He was just sleeping on you. I would wake him up and everything would be okay. And when she handed him to me, his head hit my chest. Like I kind of held him under his armpits on his torso and his head flopped forward under my chest and he had some blood dripping from his nose and um in that moment I started to panic like I really realized that we were in a very different situation and not only did I have him in my arms then I also had the younger two who were just four and just two behind me um and so I laid him on the floor in front of the bathroom right at the feet of our other two children and tried to check for a pulse. Do everything I'd been trained to do. Check for a pulse. And I couldn't feel one. Um, but he wasn't cold. His body was so little. He wasn't so. cold. And um, so I thought, okay, he's stunned or something's wrong. We can get him back. And so I started CPR, which you think you know what you're doing and you've been through the courses. But when you have to perform... <laughs> when you have to perform CPR on your own baby, it's very different. And you don't think you're doing it right because if you were doing it right, they would start to breathe. So I run back downstairs and I I need to try. So I also try CPR. And then my mom takes over and she does CPR as we're screaming to my dad to call 911. I at this point also take our children who are standing at his side holding hands just watching out of the room. Because I realized that there's a lot of people here helping him. And 911 was on the phone with your dad um, and in route. And so I knew that I needed to take care of our babies that were watching this situation. And I moved them to another room. So it, it felt like forever for the ambulance to get there. But it really only took them four minutes, four minutes. I think. Yep. And they swooped in and immediately took over. Um, Basically do what they show you on television they ripped or cut his clothes off and started hooking him up to things and doing what we were doing um kind of pushing us all away essentially gathering information and before i even remember they picked him up and ran out the door and so we're in the ambulance one of the ambulances sitting there kind of waiting the amount of shock Now, you see people in shock on, like, Grey's Anatomy or, Mm -hmm. like, things like that. And it, I mean, I was frozen in time. I don't even recall It's like everybody around you was like a whirlwind, like, going so fast and you were just standing still. You know what I mean? Like, it felt like everything was a blur around us. Right. And so I, I remember one of the EMTs coming in at one time and said that they got something on the monitor. And I think that was incorrect because yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember anybody ever saying anything to us about that later on. But I mean, for that moment, I thought, okay, are we in a different situation? But I was, I was just still in so much shock that like what actually happened. I mean, you, I, 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 I'm not you, so I can't like say what you were, were going through, but I try to explain to you you know when I'm strong enough to explain to you like what went through my body thinking that I, w- I wake up 
and I realize that I may have done something horrible on accident. Like, you're supposed to protect your children as a mother. And it is not your fault, though. Like, we that's that's what I, I think I fail to understand. And to be clear, when we fast forward through things, I do some extra checking to kind of rest her fears at ease with the... Um, coroner and later the growth or the um, microscopic pathology that they do and things like that the things that happen after his death um, to ensure her that she did not kill him and from what we have heard from everyone there was no sign of asphyxiation so he was not suffocated which is her fear I do remember my brain Switching from the moment you said my name to thinking I could fix him to realizing how in danger the situation really was or how grave it really was. And I switched my mind to I have to save you and I have to save them instead of I have to save him. I remember going to a almost like a um, like a survival situation or a fight or flight. you know, right mm-hmm. where I was like, OK, if I can't fix him, I have to do some damage control. This is going to be really bad. And how can I save her from doing something that she can't reverse or how can I save my children um I remember pulling an EMT aside and asking them to give it to me straight like do we have a chance is he does he have a chance or are are we already done like is the word done and I just remember them saying I can't say for sure but they wouldn't have run with him they wouldn't be taking him to the hospital they didn't if they didn't think they had if they didn't think down for more than 20 minutes they didn't think he had a chance so they said still warm he didn't he wasn't down for more than 20 minutes is their guess so we end up trailing the ambulance because my mom goes with in the ambulance because neither one of us would have been able to watch the things that they did to try to save his life inside that ambulance well and i wasn't gonna have one of us go and not the other i wasn't gonna be away from you in in literally the most horrible moment of our lives so my dad um trails us behind the ambulance for anyone not paying attention to that means grandma and grandpa and mom's all left with that baby so my younger two children that were there are now at home with the police officer that showed up family that came out of the woodwork but not their main supporters mm-hmm. but you we you don't calculate everything that needs to go into that moment it's a blur and you do what you can and what you think is best when you you know in that moment so i don't I, i'm pretty sure my dad sped all the way to the hospital but we finally get there and after hours and hours and hours of them working on him three um, hours they you know basically came in and said you know we've been working on him for this long and nothing's changing so you know we basically just i mean the the pastor came in and asked if we wanted him baptized (sighs) we didn't even we're not active religious people um we have had a couple of our children baptized but not all of them um we believe in something higher we just don't actively participate in going to church every sunday or um things like that we kind of freedom of choice and freedom of belief so in we our house. instantly, so we said, instantly yes. said yes without even a consult like a consult with each other we just and then you know after that was done we said that it was time to stop working on him um 
we knew that if they even got him back at that point, we were going to have a, a more dangerous predicament where maybe, I mean, obviously miracles happen, but him. he wasn't going to be him. He was yeah. going to be suffering brain damage or be reliant on machines. And then we were going to have to make the choice to let him go. And we didn't, we didn't want to do that. So that uh, was the single most pivotal moment of my entire life. We had to come home to our kids. We had to be mothers still while having to deal with the detectives who had to come and ask us us the the most inhumane questions because it was a child under the age of 18 that died accidentally. We had to be separated to answer the questions. There's a lot of behind the scenes things that, okay, you think, okay, that couple lost a baby. There are so many things that happened to us during that time. The basement was taped off with crime scene tape. That, you know, it's... It just, it's changed our life forever. So we had to do all that questioning. We also had a CPS caseworker. Child Protective Services was assigned to us and we had to go through, I don't, I don't even remember everything, but I know that we had to go through phone calls and visits and things like that, like essentially was on like this checklist of things to. At, at the same time, I'm literally soaking through breast pads because it's, it's time to feed my baby and he's not here. So, so many different aspects of, of grief and, and horrible hurt. So, a week or so goes by and we essentially get the autopsy report. And, y- I mean, you and my mom were going to hide it from me. Oh, we had should agreed. It, in- should it be the wrong mm-hmm. We had agreed that, her mom and I had agreed that if it came back saying asphyxiation, that we were going to lie to her. I didn't, I don't, I don't lie to my wife. So, to agree to lie to her for the rest of my life to protect her was something I was willing to do. Um, I cannot explain the weight that came off my shoulders talking to that coroner outside of our house that day when she told me there were no signs of asphyxiation. Everything on his five-pound body was perfect. He was absolutely perfect. There was nothing on a gross anatomical scale that she could notice that would have caused his death. And so, and you know, so they in Wisconsin, they have one of the highest numbers of SIDS, and so they they really try to find a cause. You know, they, they try to find a cause if they can, because you know states don't want their numbers mm-hmm. to be high of SIDS. I'm not really sure why, but so on his death certificate it says probable positional asphyxiation. Because they took to the story every single day, mm-hmm. but they took what I said, and they made a story, mm-hmm. um, which they, is not fair. Because not only did the gross anatomy scan, but they also took um, like tissue samples, essentially, of our child to send off for microscopic anatomy or cellular anatomy levels to kind of test his chemical levels and things um, to make sure because there's certain elements of asphyxiation that get to a tissue sample so they Mm -hmm. can see, okay, he was down for X amount or he had this chemical in his stream. So Mm -hmm. whatever. And none of those also showed any, any cause for death. They had no cause for death on any scientific scale. And so here comes our journey into, you know, being advocates and um, researching everything there is to possibly know about SIDS. And we unfortunately were, you know, our our baby died of SIDS. And he, I mean, they say that 
if your child is is going to pass away from SIDS, they're, they're going to pass away from it and there is not one single thing you can do yeah, like a to, um, mm-hmm. to stop it. I mean, even if you catch them when they still have a pulse, you're not, the, them back. It, you're, you're not gonna get them back. And there's so many stories of all these, um, you know, families that, that this just happens to. But, but what, what, is, what I'm most passionate about is that safe sleep definitely can lead to SIDS. And supporting your new mother. I mean, realistically speaking, safe sleep is great. We had the right elements. We had the docketot. We had the swaddler. We had babies. Right. And people do. I do. I did. I have. I I still do with our age. In a rocking chair, rocking your baby, mm -hmm. like your baby falls asleep and it is the most comfortable new smell and it's beautiful and and you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. You fall asleep. And it legitimately can happen to anyone. There is not one single person on this planet that is immune to that. Don't sleep with your baby. Don't. Mm-hmm. Tag team it. I mean, we did that with Arrow. After that, we've, we do a, a system where we're together. If one's up, we're both up. It doesn't matter. Exactly, because it, right directly after having a baby it the amount of energy that it took to make you deliver that baby you are so exhausted and and you're you're making all this milk for this baby and you're recovering and you you need the help do not be scared to ask for help you're not being the most star mother in the world and not asking for help you you need it well and if you think it can't happen to you so did we i never once ever thought something like that could happen and I was stupid and naive and I know that falling asleep that night was not my fault I didn't plan on sleeping with my baby on the couch in a compromising position but it happened and I am now a mother who has to live with thinking that I possibly had something to do with my child's death that is nothing I would ever wish on Mm-mm. anyone and it happens more than people think i think sids people hear sids and they think that's an old time i mean i did that doesn't happen anymore it happens a lot Four thousand cases in wisconsin a year it's i mean it, it's a it, lot of and there, there's so many things you can do to prevent it there are so many products in the world now we are so unbelievably proud to be partnered with owlette and with Mavin's name is currently on all of the version Chips. three, the chip um, placed inside each one of those socks. His name is right on there because it's he a life is the reason tool. Mm-hmm. why they changed the sock this time. So yes, because it's we been had years of work, we had that we beautiful are. machine and it didn't fit our baby's foot, and so now it is made to fit tiny babies like Mavin, mm-hmm. and is going to save so many parents from walking this journey and so many babies from joining him and hopefully going to make a humongous impact. So in later episodes, we'll probably touch on different areas of grief and how they've affected our lives in different ways. But I, it's been almost five years now and I can look, I can finally look at grief in a different light. Mm-hmm. So my beautiful baby boy, our beautiful baby boy, has given me the gift of grief. And that may sound absolutely nuts that, that I'm saying that, but what I mean is that he has given me the gift to have felt something so grave 
and so deeply on a cellular level mm-hmm. in my body and I overcame it. I am overcoming it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And yes, it, he that morning pops into my night or it pops into my mind more than I want to admit. But he has given me so many gifts to look at my life and and, and not look at our children. Not here legitimately us. as cliche as it is not to sweat the small stuff. Mm-hmm. There are so many things in my life now that I compare it to that morning and I think not even close. Move on. Or it even, not I mean, even this, these feelings. Last night, our baby didn't sleep. He's 18 months old and he was awake all night long. And we reminded ourselves at least we're holding him, you know. And so it's like the things that used to stress us out or used to cause us anxiety or used to be something that we let kind of weigh us down. We kind of now just say let it go like it doesn't matter in in the grand scheme of things you never know when that night is going to be your pivotal moment exactly it felt normal until it wasn't and you just don't know so and if you're experiencing grief you know I know that in the first stages of it it's not easy to hear something like this but you know look at your grief and look at all the things in your life and see what you are now able to see joy in that you never you never did before you know my my kids swinging on a swing set like just a simple little moment like that and knowing that they're here and they're mm-hmm. happy is i'm just able to see joy in a lot mm-hmm. a lot more things in th- and and see that those things actually matter in my life mm-hmm. and be able to separate the things that don't or the handprints on the window as soon as you wipe them clean <laughs> right so <clears throat> that's our story of That's his story, and we really thank you for going on this tough journey, this episode with us, and we appreciate um, you letting us, you know, kind of vocalize what this happened to us. To share, yeah. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye.